Brethren, we believe in the simplicity of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. We believe that he that believeth in Christ hath everlasting life and consequently must live forever. The living water which Christ gives a man, which he spoke of to the Samaritan woman in John chapter 4, shall be in him a well springing up unto everlasting life. Our Lord has said of his sheep that they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of his hand. Wonderful assurance and security on the unmovable rock of our salvation. As with everything in life, there needs to be a balance. And so we know that also that the scriptures tell us if any man draws back, the Lord will have no pleasure in him. And we are sure that without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. So as we look through the scriptures from the Old Testament prophets to the Psalms, we are and see that we are to consider our ways. We continually before the Lord. We are to ask the Lord to search our hearts. We are to, to try our thoughts and to see if there be any wicked way in us. And would it not be an abusing of God's grace if we were to grow careless, presumptuous and proud to think that for ourselves personally it would not be possible to become apostate or even to turn to the left or right a little bit from the way of the from the from the right way and so he that endures to the end shall be saved the lord says may god help us by his spirit in our heart searching of more deeply trusting the grace of god love and power of god that never changes the heading of our sermon tonight Simple saving salvation over devastating, destructive desertion. And so I have three points tonight on the outline, but I'm only going to get through one, I know, and uh, that's okay because there'll be a next time sometime, Lord willing. But our first point that we're going to look at tonight, to believe or not to believe, as we see in the text tonight. And so let's go right to the end of our text, verse 67. Of John chapter 6 and let's read there then said Jesus unto the twelve will ye also go away and so why did the Savior ask the twelve that is the remaining twelve there were many more disciples as we saw but the remaining core why did he ask them this question will ye also go away firstly circumstances had changed and it was a time of defection as we see in verse 66 from that time many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him and i want to use an illustration of our local highway patrol policemen here in new south wales and you know they can pass you by now and they can already know a lot about you before you even realize they are there and and the way this is so i've read um, an article with their new high-tech road safety cameras that these devices can monitor up to six lanes of traffic that's three going one way and three the other way um, of vehicles at one time so they can 
monitor multiple vehicles simultaneously and and that you know they they're looking at your speed they're, they're looking checking your rego all in an instant as you drive past and you know you may have outstanding fines or warrants with the law uh, they will pick that up and they also through their network computer system that through their cars they can work out they know where you live they they um they know the owner of the vehicle. And so what happens if a yellow triangle comes up on their screen on your vehicle, uh, the police officer is most likely going to uh, pull you over and he's going to do a licence check and check your vehicle out. Now, this is a quote on the article. If in a reasonable opinion of the person issuing the notice, that's the uh, police officer, the notice of what I mean a defect because... He may issue you a yellow defect notice, which means there is a shortcoming, there is a lacking, uh, a fault with your vehicle. And all that means is you have to, I don't know, he may fine you, but he may just let you go because you have to go and get that problem fixed, that shortcoming, I'm using that word, um, to explain this through the illustration. And then you can get it fixed and signed off with the appropriate um, qualified people and then you're on your way again. And also, but unfortunately, if he gives you a red defection notice, as it's called, so a yellow defect and a red defection, that means you have to abandon your car. That means you can't drive it anywhere because they possess that you have a serious safety risk to yourself and other people with your vehicle. And... Uh, so with, and what happens then, you have to be towed away. You can't drive your car anywhere once you have to abandon it. You can't drive it anymore. And so um, our Saviour is teaching today, as we read through these verses, we see that he's teaching an issue, um, or issuing, you could say, to his hearers, a yellow well, a yellow defect notice of the shortcoming that they have in their life, um, the lacking of a core fundamental issue that he's trying to simply illustrate and it's what that we'll look at tonight, um, very practically that shortcoming, and that is faith. Faith. The Lord Jesus, um, to be a true servant of the Lord, a true follower of Christ, you need faith. In, and the Lord Jesus is graciously trying to tell them of their lacking of true faith. And uh, see, what we see now, a crowd has gathered together. And, you know, from verse 26, we see right back in the chapter that they were impressed by being fed well very physically, um, their physical needs being met. We have the account of the feeding of the 5,000 early in this chapter. And and the Lord Jesus reminds them of that. And he said in 26, Verily, verily, I say unto you, you seek me not because ye saw the miracles, but because ye did eat of the loaves and were filled. You were fed. And uh, the world says, as we consider verse 30, as they respond, they said therefore unto him, What sign showest thou then that we may see and believe thee? What doth thou work? And uh, just considering the red defection notice, there are many instances where young people who have to have their car impounded for certain reasons, unroadworthy reasons because of modifications, we hear they do argue a lot uh, with the police about their, they don't see a problem with it. 
And uh, you can actually see that the police have a, a, a place where they put these comments and arguments to see what other people in the community think. And um, I saw that yesterday. But so here they are arguing with the Lord Jesus. Um, and so the world says, if we see, so what therefore unto him, what the 30, what sign showeth thou then that we may see and believe thee? What doth thou work? So the world says, if I see, then will I believe? I'll believe after I see. But God says, believe, then you will see the truth. And so even to believe, what we realize the Lord taught doesn't happen even on our own merit. So verse 44 and 45, two verses, No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall be all taught of God. Every man, therefore, that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. It is the truth of the word of God which draws us to that belief in him, the truth of the word of the Father, God, that draws us. So, And uh, even in verse 45, we see a little outline there. See, God is a God of order, as we, we learn each time. We see creation, we see the word of God and and um, and everything that he has done and does. So when we see that, we see the outline, we see of coming to him in faith, it is hearing. So every man therefore that hath heard, as we see in the second part of that verse, 45, uh, hearing and secondly, and hath learned, so there is learning, and uh, this is where they fell short, those uh, m- many disciples that, we read about before and then thirdly this is where it requires being humbled as we submit ourselves the father has learned of the father cometh unto me so the father draws the sinner by his word by his truth and so to believe or not to believe a time of defection faith as the scripture tells us is hoping and believing what you can't see hebrews 11 1 Faith is the substance of things hopeful, the evidence of things not seen. It precedes sight and prepares your soul to understand, your heart to believe and your will to obey. So all these many questions of the hows, as we see in verse 52, the Jews therefore strove among themselves saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? So the many questions of the hows, the things we uh, even as believers, we don't understand. We are answered. They are answered by yielding to the authority of Christ. We don't know everything, but we can put our faith in the Lord that He is in control. He is, and we see. You know, we'll see a bit later the sovereign, the doctrine of sovereignty, which we actually looked at this morning in the gospel there, and uh, Pastor McConnell preached on. But a simple illustration, like a parachute opens only after you jump out of the plane. And, but we all understand well enough that to take the initial step of jumping out of a plane requires intense faith in your parachute. And that requires a massive letting go. And, and because you know that you have to, your, your parachute is going to be your salvation in that jump. And so that, that, that requires a great deal of faith. And so here we see that is required in the Lord, in God, and what he has done, and what he, what he, what he, what he, the works of God, what he wants to do, and, 
as we see there in verse 28 what shall we do that we might work the works of God and and so so in staying let's stay on track and it's a time of defection so many shortcomings and we do see the result of that abandoned total abandonment which we'll finish off with that later we learn from church history and even our own experiences that in all churches there are times of gathering in when many fly in to the churches like seagulls and um you know when you're at the beach and you're eating chips at the at the table or on the grass and just one chip has to go astray and you have multitudes flocks of seagulls uh coming in and you know but how good it would be and also if they would stay like it's not the case unfortunately when the numbers who have been tested through the word of truth of god they fail and they fly out again and no more to be found and we've seen that over and over even in our own church people that have come and gone over the years and so like when the chips are all gone and the birds realize that they they move on there they, they go and fellow brethren many of us um were very steadfast we can testify uh while this church flourished in full flight before the as we call the shutdown um and here we are now and it is very easy we can say to become faithless under the current conditions because with fellowship there's also accountability and uh, with other people and that is not there anymore and, and there's the hiding away um and there's a the danger there and temptation and but what we need to think of like worst case scenario is what if everything were lost like our pastor god forbid uh passed away or you know even the name of this church was brought into ill reproots repute somehow would we remain faithful the question is and uh if all others uh were faithless around us and we know and praise the lord for men like jeremiah 40 years ministering the word of god without literally one convert and they threw him in prison they they treated him terribly as the servant of god and could we dare to be daniels as we used to sing on sunday morning sunday school dare to stand alone and so these are good thoughts as we consider our ways and well many um the lord jesus asks now for worse times then these may be drawing near and uh, will as he asked the question will ye also go away so secondly it was a time too of defection among his disciples so we see the crowd now the disciples verse 66 from that time many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him and uh you know this is not talking about the mob obviously we see that it's they were just hanging around for the food and but now obviously their influence on many of these disciples was having an effect and you know and they went back and th these would have been you know as followers of the lord they would have been of a generous honorable spirit who had you know been listening to all the words of um of christ and you know for a while they had professed uh, to call him uh, master and lord even some of them um these deserted the standard they 
they left, they went back. But, you know, as it is recorded in Scripture, their name remains as they were called disciples, disciples of the Lord. And though they have gone back, and when we look at that word back in the Greek, opizo, it's the English for opposite, where we get our English word for opposite. And so they've gone totally the opposite, 180. They've gone back to where they came from, out of, you know, the darkness they were in, the sin. And, you know, they have become apostates, as we call it. And men and women enter into the church and today even and throughout history and, you know, after a while they they turn aside the false doctrine or to sin and they depart with their prince's uniform upon their backs and they carry the dress of Christ into the service of Satan. And the principle I pick up here is it is more needful to finish well in the Christian faith than to start well because we're, yes, when we start we're not, we're immature, we're, we're as babes and we need a lot of learning. But, you know, it's, it's better to do that than to start well and finish bad. But how much more glorious it is for those who start well and finish well their journey of faith in the Lord. And uh, and so woe to them, we say, on judgment day if they never repent and get saved. They will be judged as having been what they profess to be. They will be very accountable and heavy will be their sentence as apostates. So we read of Simon the leper in scriptures in the Gospels even well after he has been healed and just as the name of the harlot stuck to Rahab after she had become an honest woman and a believer and these are that is her name uh, even in the heroes of faith in Hebrews chapter 11 that she was given and it stuck there even even then, so if a good name sticks to one after it has ceased to be true and it remains as a reminder of their past darknesses, how much more will the grievous guilt and shame come to bear on an apostate even as they try to hide from the world? So even though they, they, the world will mark you as one who was a disciple still, who professed to be a follower of Christ, And this will stick to you throughout eternity, even when you are cast away from the face of God forever. Yet, when disciples fall away, as we see here, it is time to ask other disciples, as the Lord does, will ye also go away? And so this defect, defection, was on the account of doctrine, number three. And let's read 60 and 61. Many therefore his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can hear it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured it, he said unto them, Doth this offend you? Now, our Saviour, we can clearly see, had done nothing to distress his followers. He had simply preached the glorious truth that he is the food, that he is the strength and the drink, the nourishment of the newborn life. But this they did not understand, nor even asked for a simpler explanation as to comprehend what the master teacher was meaning. They went back and walked no more with him. So let's look at some of the doctrines on this account of doctrines, they, they, they left on, on what they thought 
on their confusion and um, offences? What doctrines of truth do we see our Lord has taught? And I was just looking at 51, and what we see here, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give... That's the key word, is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Here we see the doctrine of the substitutionary death of Christ on the cross. Here we see our Saviour pointing to his death on the cross, where he would give his life as a ransom for sinners. His body would be broken and his blood would be poured out as a sacrifice for sins as he gave his life. He would pay the penalty for sin's demands. And we already, and the doctrines, like these are right throughout, many of them, the Gospel of John and the doctrine of faith, as we've already looked at. And then, like, verse 47, the doctrine of salvation. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. And it was quoted. This is the clearest and briefest statements in all the word of God concerning the way of salvation. And then we see the doctrine of the deity of the Son of God. Verse 48 and 49, I am that bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. And by that expression, your fathers, at the start of verse 49, the Lord disassociates himself from fallen humanity and implies his unique deity because he is alive and he is the living uh, word, the, the bread of life. And so the doctrine, um, now I just need to be careful, but the doctrine of election, and I think... I thought it was a very clear explanation because it ties in also the foreknowledge of the Lord Jesus as we see um, in verse 61 when Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it. He said unto them, Doth this offend you? This, you know, the uh, God is omniscient. Um, he's all-knowing. And, uh, and so when we see also verse 51... I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. And so the Lord Jesus Christ would not die just for the Jewish nation, we see in this verse, or even just for the elect. But his death would be of sufficient value for the whole world, as we see there at the end of the chapter. And the Gospel of John is written to the whole world, as we learn. In New Testament survey, this does not, of course, mean that the whole world will be saved. We need to understand that. But rather, the work of Christ at Calvary would be sufficient in its value to save the whole world if all men came to Jesus. Now, um, so God is all-knowing. God is uh, he knows everything and as we read that from the beginning there it said there in the middle of 64 and that we see that you know that's from the beginning of the ministry of Jesus and then we know we've got the beginning of creation and he was there our savior and then we heard like the word this morning beginning from eternity past which we need faith there definitely because we don't understand that because of our uh, minds and uh not um, being human 
And so we need to have faith that Jesus knows all things and uh, and that he is all-knowing. And so with that, also the doctrine of the Holy Spirit comes out there where He, the Lord Jesus is explaining them. It is the Spirit that quickeneth. It is the Spirit that giveth life. And the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are light. So the Spirit of God giveth life, the living word, the truth. And, uh, and that becomes life eternal when you truly believe. And uh, so as we consider these doctrines, they were humbling doctrines. And that's why we see the response of, of these many disciples in verse 60. And they could not receive, and so they went aside. And to be taught of the Lord, it required that a man lay aside his own wisdom. And so verse 52, we see the Jews, you know, here they were part of the crowd back here and, and, and those many disciples. And, you know, they saw the many miracles, the many healings that uh, God's power, his omnipotence displayed. And they saw the feeding, the great provision there, the miracle of the 5,000 men that were fed, plus the women and the children that were there too. And yet they were not able to rise above the things of this life and the physical, that is, the temporal and having to see, to believe. And so... 53 and 56, the Lord Jesus, I want to read these, said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except ye eat of the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. The Lord Jesus was using everyday physical things to teach spiritual truths. And they were taking it literally. So... In the physical, we eat food every day. As we can understand this, what the Lord's saying in the spirit of God's understanding. And we eat food. We all have to do it. We don't forget to do that. And uh, we enjoy eating. And, uh, and so, as we know, the crowd enjoyed it too there in verse 26. The Lord reminded them that they had enjoyed it. So food, um, when we eat it, we, we are literally taking it, in, taking it into our very being. And it becomes a part of us and it is sustaining us and nourishing us and giving us strength. And so the Lord Jesus has clearly described who he is as in the very best of the ingredients in the bread of life, in the food there that he's talking about. There's no MSGs, there's no preservatives, there's no artificial flavours or colourings, no sin, no blemish, blemishes. He, it's pure. The spotless Lamb of God who came to take away the sin of the world. And so who is he and, and what is he willing to do for them? Uh, and the world he has explained. And to be offered as a sacrifice for sins once for all and no more need for burnt offerings. This eating and drinking were absolutely essential for eternal life, as he explains spiritually. The Lord Jesus was saying, you must receive me with your innermost being as we receive food into our innermost being so that I can give you life. I can nourish you spiritually and, and give you eternal life. 
This is the way Jesus wants us to receive him. And look, when we look at the word eat there, right down through those verses where eat, and uh, it's in the aorist tense, which is very interesting in the Greek because what that means in that tense, it's a simple one-off action. See, we only eat each meal once. You don't eat it twice because there's a problem. You're very sick if you, but you don't eat it again. Like we see in the scriptures, a dog returns to a vomit and that, and we'll see that in a little bit later. And so, um, and it's an aorist active tense, which is accomplished by the subjects. And who is the subjects? Well, we've already looked at that from verse 15 and 51, a man and any man. So us, anyone, them. See, the world, as we saw in 51 at the end there, and 53, where this word eat, eat is used, the word eating, um, the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. So the people listening, ye, the people listening to, to them, so whosoever would come can believe and they can eat and partake of the truth. And salvation, we know, is a one-off action by accepting the Lord Jesus as our Redeemer. He comes into our lives to abide, and we too abide with him. And this word dwelleth there in verse 56. Dwelleth, I love being able to look up Greek and just seeing what their tenses mean or the verb. This is a primary verb, and it's to stay in a given relationship means to endure. And that's very interesting, and that's talking to the subject which it's accomplished by us when it's ever got when it's got an active voice it means it's you who is the subject us who the lord is talking to and it occurs that occurs at the moment you believe that present indicative active tense and so it's what we see and understand and it confirms it is a real living relationship with our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. And, you know, we think um, of James 4, 8, where draw nigh, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. So us as the subjects have to um, accomplish the um, dwelleth like, it, by us. So because they would not see... They chose not to see. They came to the place where they could not see this simple uh, teaching of the gospel of truth. And so in finishing this sub-point, the defection was on the account of doctrine. I want to look at a previous question our Saviour asked the many disciples. And verse 61 at the end there, Doth this offend you? The truth of the word of God, does it offend you? And uh, he knew already. And the fen there, the word offend is scandalizo in the Greek, which is where we get our English word scandalize, which means to cause to stumble and fall, a stumbling block. So this is a stumbling block to you. And Paul picked that up also, 1 Corinthians one twenty three. Christ crucified, preached unto the Jews a stumbling block, unto the Greeks foolishness. And so we see and hear many people being drawn away from the truth of the gospel. And it's by their own lusts. People that were once prominent in our churches um, It should cause us to continually examine ourselves because I want to read 2 Corinthians chapter 13. There at the end of the book. 
verses 5 to 8. The Apostle Paul writes, Examine yourselves, whether ye be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates. But I trust that ye shall know that we are not reprobates. Now I pray to God that ye do no evil, not that we should appear approved, but that ye should do that which is honest, though we be as reprobates. For we can do nothing against the truth, but for the truth. We must be continually humbled by the fact that our heart is just as deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it but God, the omniscient, the all-knowing? Accepting that we are capable of such things, as Paul said there in those passages. And so 1 Corinthians 10:12, Wherefore, let him that thinketh he stand take heed, lest he fall. Verse 66, in closing this uh, last sub point of the first point. Um, From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. But what we see, our fourth point, they were going back 180 degrees from what they professed, what they claimed. So this wasn't a compromise of liberalism or ecumenicalism or a laxing of some maybe or one of those doctrines or teachings hard to be understood, but they turned deliberately round, around and went back very soon being again what they used to be. And that's what that means. The short-lived, we could say, reformed drunkard went back to wasting his life and money on riotous living wallowing in drink like a pig in the mud. Or the man who had lived totally in the lust of the flesh through the lust of the eyes and for a short time had overcome to put on the coat of morality, went back and sadly you saw him once again in the house of the strange woman. And then the dog has returned to his vomit, as I was referring to, you don't eat the same meal twice. They went back like pliable in the pilgrim's progress he followed christian on the pilgrim road until um he found the tough the the going got really tough when they fell into the sloth of despondency and then he found himself going back to the city of destruction leaving the way and but when we see rational men act this way even men of whom we had hoped better things we need not to be surprised that we are also are put to account with that personal question from our Lord, will ye also go away? So, and the defection from Christ was public. Number five. As was their ministry when they once walked with Jesus in the public streets, but now they have no more to do with Christ When we see Jesus in the rest of the Gospels preach from here on even to the cross and through to his ascension, which he refers to in verse 62 when he was challenging them, the Son of Man ascend up where he was before to heaven. But we don't, even to that point, we don't see them anymore. They're not seen or heard of, these many disciples from verse 60. The Lord Jesus went on to perform more miracles in the Gospels. They were not there to witness them anymore. 
They had eagerly ministered to him of their substance, but no more supplies came from them any more. They had often asked him to explain the word when he had spoken in public. They desired no more counsel. They had asked him also to teach them how to pray. But could they any longer care to be found upon their knees any more? They could not care to be in a hypocrite with him when their hearts care no longer for him. They are at least decent enough, as we would say, to walk no more with him that they have gone back to their sins. How many do we know that used to walk with Christ, who at this time walk no more with his people, for their hearts have gone away from Christ? And now what happened then, that progression of downwardness, the Sunday services were ignored. Pretty much the house of God was forsaken. The Bible is put away. Prayer is a thing of neglect and perhaps despise they walk no more with christ for they prefer the broader way or a smoother road how whole households and we can even think even in our life of where children all profess to be saved and some of them even baptized but deep down um, some of the young people slowly were found with amusements that were not consistent with their profession of faith in the Lord Jesus. And little by little they became desensitised to the convictions of God and, and, and committed violence to their conscience. And to the point now they may boldly say, if we were to ask them in the street, that they had never been converted. Very sad. They forsook Christ as hurriedly and willingly as they accepted him. And to know of the truth... Um, and then even practice it and then forsake it is as the Bible calls apostate. And, uh, and to, be, to be, have been received, you know, even under those pretenses by the church of God, in, you know, in baptism and membership means that, you know, those ones would have had to at some point deliberately confess their faith to the church to the leadership and you know in they one point deliberately sought membership at that time because it was what others were doing maybe and uh, this holds them accountable before God and if they have gone back from Christ and must bear the shame they, 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 they face bearing the shame in time and eternity and as their hearts have become so cold and distanced and the judgment is more severe, the word of God, and God warns about that on those who have hold, had the privilege of the knowledge of God's salvation but never received it. And uh, as we consider Hebrews 10.31, when the writer is writing to the Jewish believers there in, in warning them, it is a fearful thing, Hebrews 10.31, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And so, you know, they, they were... There were those that were struggling there with, they were wavering with, um, in treading underfoot the Son of God and going back to their old, uh, works of the law. And, uh, and, you know, and what they were doing, they'd done despite unto the Spirit of grace that had worked in their heart and drawn them. And, you know, and so in going back to the old works, so when we think of these things, from the beginning of creation, God made 
man and woman to be in a close bond of fellowship. And that was his desire. And it's still his desire today. And he's provided a way. And we read in verse 57 there, as the living father, there in the first part of that verse, this points to the father, our creator, from beginning to end, is the source of all life, ever living, eternal one. And we believe that by faith. That that is true, and we as man, when he first created us to be in fellowship with us, broke that intimate fellowship with him, because of our sinful pride in seeking to live independently from him, from God, and God has provided a way back to Himself through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and this is what the Lord Jesus was explaining here in the Gospels and in this text, that. That close bond, as was designed from the beginning, can be restored. And there is only one way of that restoration and that, and one truth and one life. And, um, and so verse 53 there, uh, when the Lord Jesus instituted his supper, we need to think, because we know, because we have the whole canon of scripture, because um, this is abused with these texts in eating and drinking the blood being... Uh, wrongly uh, understood in this way so when he instituted his supper on the night in which he was betrayed we know that the disciples partook of the bread and the fruit of the vine the cup with him before he had been crucified so what we see there is no way and the disciples did not literally eat and drink his blood because the Lord was present with them in that institution of the Lord's Supper. And the Lord Jesus was simply stating in, in, in this remembrance that unless we devote ourselves by faith the value of his death for us on Calvary, we can never be saved. And that's why it's so severely we need to examine ourselves also when we come to the Lord's table. And that is emphasized in Scripture. And uh, as Christians, we examine ourselves. We're to do that too. And that's what we've been looking at in 2 Corinthians 13, there in those verses with the Apostle Paul. We must believe on him, receive him, trust him, and make him our very own. And uh, that is the intimacy and closeness of that relationship. Now, the New Testament epistle calls this the doctrine of true repentance, of turning from self turning back to God in that relationship, a full 180 degree. So they've gone the other way. We're to go, go from darkness to light in true repentance, as we understand as believers. We understand that more as we grow in him. Repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's close in prayer. Our loving Father, we thank you for this evening and the time around your word and Lord, we just thank you uh, for your orderliness, Lord, your control, your sovereignty, your supremacy, Lord, in all things. And Lord, we thank you for your word that you have given us and how when we study it and look at the words and and do a study on them and what you really mean and and when and how you mean it and once for all and Lord... Um, we thank you that, and even our responsibility in, in the relationship we are to have with you in, in instituting that drawing near, 
Lord, in our own hearts being right and pure. And we thank you, Lord, that we can, as believers, continue to confess our sin, Lord, that because of our our weakness, because of our sinfulness, hearts that we still possess, Lord, we thank you that the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed at Calvary cleanses us from all sin. And so, Lord, we praise you and thank you now as we go into this new week. And, Lord, with circumstances that are changing rapidly, we pray that we'll keep our eyes on you in the word of God, in our devotion and relationship and fellowship. And, Lord, and to show that we love you by loving the brethren. And, Lord, may you stir in our hearts different ways of doing that, Lord, and just help us to confess those areas of neglect and that we've had just over time that has gone very quickly, Lord. We do pray now and commit until we meet again uh, Wednesday night, Lord, with Pastor McConnell. You'll just be with him and our pastor as you just bring healing there, Lord, and, and strength and encouragement, Lord, we pray. So we thank you now and commit these things unto you in Jesus' precious name. Amen.